0: Hello everybody my name is Eric.
1: My name's Nick.
0: And today we're going to be talking about the Cincinnati Bearcats. We got some football. We got some basketball to talk about. Nick I'll let you decide which topic do you want to talk about first.
1: Uh, Let's start with the happier one.
0: Yeah uh, well relative relative term on happier. Um, Let's talk about the football. Uh, That was a uh, tough title game to watch. Uh,
1: Yeah the 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 title game
0: um not the title game why'd you call it title game <laughs> well i i i cotton bowl sorry it, we played in the cotton bowl the college football semi uh, semifinal. my apologies it was basically our title game yeah well we played <laughs> terrible the de- I thought the defense played pretty well all things considered they only they gave held up, it, up as well as they could they held up as well as they could it really was the offense that seemed to struggle
1: it it looked like they did better in like the first quarter but they they started getting tired um the offense wasn't getting anything going
0: and you've talked about this numerous times when we talk about the Bengals and and how important the defensive line is their defensive line played so well like they were just, they were just completely outmatched against our offensive line like them dudes were almost like bullying our offensive linemen yeah
1: i mean they were bigger than us on both sides of the ball yeah. really
0: Bigger, faster. I mean, they killed us in the run game. We we did a good job stopping the passing game because we only held a Heisman Trophy winner to 181 points or 181 yards, rather. uh, But their (laughs) leading rusher had 204 yards. So obviously, the the run blocking uh, and uh, pass defense, or I should say, both pass defense and rush defense were definitely on Alabama's side during that game.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tough when you're going to get the team like Alabama and now they 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 really did you could see on the field i mean yeah they look huge out there
0: yeah um they um both the start of the first quarter and the third quarter first drive of each of the halves uh the offense actually looked pretty good they got into the red zone both times and scored a field goal uh i have a somewhat controversial opinion i think the turning point in the game was that first drive that we had we get all the way down um on first down And they do a quick, they do they run a blitz, and uh, we have a quick screen. And Alec Pierce is wide open in the end zone, Uh, but they ended up getting a tipped ball, Uh, and that was an incompletion. And then that ended up, you know, the plays that they ended up working didn't pan out, and they ended up kicking the field goal. But I, you know, I just think you
1: think that was that was the that set the the whole tone for
0: the whole game, man. I, I, it's a controversial statement, I know, but that—that that was the whole tone, man. They, and once they figured out we can get in this dude's passing lanes, like they had several balls that were just tipped, uh, blocked the line of scrimmage. Like there's nothing that our offensive lineman could have done. I mean, maybe they could have designed some play, come up with some plays, you know, that could have got him out of the pocket. But it, it was—it was just a tough assignment to handle.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know you like Ritter a lot, but I, I've never I been completely. Com- impressed with his ability to read defense and uh his accuracy and he i think i think he was pretty exposed in that game
0: uh, you know I, I mean this can kind of cycle into a conversation on you know kind of the aftermath because really not too much to talk about about the game itself i mean they um they kind of whooped us pretty hard you know we played well nick saban thought we deserved to be there which i think is the most qualified person to talk about that so you know i i think uh going into the offseason, um, you know, he's poised to be a first round quarterback. So I think,
1: Oh yeah, for sure.
0: You're going to see whether or not, you know, he lives up to any billing or whatever Like you're going to see once he translates to the pro sport, uh, which is definitely much harder than the college level in terms of look, what you, what you talked about getting reads done, um, accuracy, those things are much more prevalent on the, um, national football league level than they are at the college level uh, they they got to be super crisp on on that to be successful at the pro level so if if you know y- you could have the right call or he could you know find flaws in his game and improve on those in this offseason and going into um, his rookie year as i thought he had a really really good uh, combine
1: yeah what were some of his uh his measurables
0: I, he ran a 451 on um his 40 time. Let me see what uh I got to look up what his the rest of the stuff was. I mean, he's decently big. He's 6'4, 215. Yeah, he's uh, a little light. I mean, he's a little he he's got the right height. They like six uh, 6'4, I think is kind of the wheelhouse. It, that was the average, I think in maybe like 2012 i think that was the average height for a quarterback so he's right there on the height obviously you can build weight lifting uh you know lifting and adding on you know fat but um hand span hand span is good at 10 which is which is actually bigger than joe burrow believe it or not so <laughs> well
1: everyone was shitting on burrow for his <laughs> hands
0: <laughs> that was so funny uh seeing the the tweet get resurfaced around the combine about how um oh i got small hands i'm never going to be a successful football player and Probably um, one of
1: the most useless things to measure.
0: uh yeah, probably. I think if you're like my hands are, I you know this is kind of personal, but my hands are pretty small. I think if I got measured at the combine, uh it'd probably be like eight inches, and they probably would be like no, like I, do, I there's you do have small hands. Like I that. do have small hands, and I think I've noticed uh, just throwing a football sometimes. Sometimes like if I have to cock back and wide it, it slips out of my hand. Uh, I think there's probably a minimum threshold. Uh, but I think after a certain point, it really doesn't matter.
1: I mean, it, it, you know, if you're, they're small and you're bad at throwing in high school, you're not going to make it to the NFL. So.
0: I don't care too much on the handspan thing. It's just, it's just 10 inches is pretty good. Uh, I think his other stuff looks good. He had a good vertical jump, good broad jump. I don't think he's going to, you know, be one of those players that gets turned into a wide receiver because um, that's a common I thing. Think? I don't think so. I mean, it could happen. I can't read the future.
1: Yeah, I mean, is he still considered, like, one or two for quarterbacks?
0: I've been seeing a lot of things putting him one, two, or three. I think a lot of these – well, I mean, the whole thing with uh, quarterbacks this year, we kind of touched about it when we talked about pro sports, is that um, uh, quarterback carousel, lots going on. Uh, Since we had our last episode, a lot of pieces got filled. Um, so the number of teams that quote need quarterbacks has de- decreased. Uh, Brady's however, back. I still th- what Brady's back. Yeah, Brady came back. Rodgers resigned. Um, what's his name got traded? Uh, R- Russell Wilson got traded. Kirk Cousins resigned. Um, there's still plenty of spots where quarterbacks can go. And if he's, you know, one of the top five best prospects, you would assume he's gonna most likely go in the first round. We'll get into where we think he'll get drafted later, but, um, I think there's definitely some consensus that he's one of the top three prospects. I think pro football focus really likes him. Yeah, I guess we'll see
1: how he does in the pros. I didn't really look at any anything from the combine. I just heard about that one big dude. that.
0: Oh, the huge dude from Georgia? Yeah. Uh, I do think that if um, we would have played either Georgia or Michigan, we would have had a better matchup. But I, it is what it is
1: yeah yeah i I agree but i think i think our defense showed enough that you know showed that we did deserve to be there
0: oh yeah i mean you call the heisman winner to like 180 yards and and one and a pick he had three touchdowns but they weren't like crazy spectacular plays they were they were tight end plays on short routes so i mean obviously he played well enough to win but it's not like he torched us right um but I want to take a second and talk about Ritter's passing and how he's like uh, um, statistically has an increased. So he had by far his best year. Um, it, you know, I mean, I, they played a one more game, being in the college football playoff. But um, he had the best completion percentage. He threw for three thousand three hundred yards, uh, average his highest average um, per. I guess that's a per attempt at eight point six. Uh, threw thirty touchdowns, only had eight interceptions. Um, didn't do as much running on the ground, but I think he proved himself as a decent enough passer to go in the first round. Um, for the upcoming draft.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think he's probably going to be late first round, maybe second. Um, I think. Uh I think Gardner gets picked before him I think Gardner's a top ten pick
0: oh I think Gardner's definitely on top ten i mean you you want to talk about having crazy combine he ran a four four one if there's any like general kind of gauge on how athletic a person is you know forty dash times you know probably somewhat very well correlated with that and he four four one is pretty damn good especially for his size because he's like
1: he's yeah he's he's a bigger one six three
0: yeah, he's six three two hundred. That's big for a corner. Usually them corners hover around five nine to five cool. eleven, maybe six foot. Yeah. Some of them some of them get bigger. Like um I wanna say like Darrell Revis is like at least six foot, and I wanna say your buddy Drake or Patrick's like six two. <laughs> I had to bring him up. God damn it.
1: Um <laughs> But yeah, I th- I think Gardner's gonna gonna go high. I mean he wa he was the best player on the team, so.
0: Oh, by far. Um uh well i think both the corners did really well but for a number of reasons i think garner definitely has the best draft potential
1: yeah the other corner actually i I would i would love to get him on the Bengals.
0: oh me too yeah i would love to take him he's definitely going third fourth round i would i would take a guess on Um, yeah
1: i'd love to get him in the fourth round
0: yeah i think that would be a steal um i do want to make a comment Uh, it's somewhat controversial i think there's going to be Three first round Bearcats taken in the first round of the draft, which, um, we've only had, if I, I looked it up someone recently. Uh, we've only had one player get drafted in the first round, and that was back in like the 70s. Uh, Gardner's a locket, probably being top 10. Uh, Ritter's probably going to go in the first round. And then Alec Pierce had a really good, he also had a really good, um, uh, combine. He stands at about 6'4, 6'3, 6'4, ran a 4'3'3. Um, pretty good on the other um what they call i don't know things measurables um statistically you know he played pretty well hit 800 yards for eight touchdowns uh considering how much we ran the ball um we were definitely not like the biggest passing school last year so i would say he did pretty well yeah um so i I'm gonna you know that size and that speed and he's like the right age he's a senior so he's about 22 21 22 um, I think I think he'll probably go in the first round too. I mean, maybe that's me being optimistic, but you know, I I do think uh you'll probably see several Bearcats drafted. You've got you know we talked about those three Jerome Ford, the running back. Um, he'll definitely get drafted at some point, probably later because they don't value running backs as much as they used to. Um, Brian, I, like I said, hope he gets drafted, and then there's a couple. Um, other defensive players, uh, Brian Cook is safety.
1: Yeah, Brian Cook. Darren Beavers. Beavers, linebacker.
0: Uh, Saunders is a D-lineman. Uh, I, I project those guys probably going late in the uh, – later in the draft, but I still see them getting drafted nonetheless.
1: Yeah, I think Pierce would be a huge stretch to go in the first round. I I, I think maybe, okay. maybe Ritter and maybe somebody on the defense, maybe. But – Pierce, I don't see it.
0: Okay. Respectfully disagree with you on that one. Uh, I, I could be showing my bias a little bit, but it is what it is. Uh, either way, you know, there's definitely going to w- – whether you look at it like, uh, you know, drafted or not drafted, uh, they had a really, really good year going 13-0 and during the regular season, making the college football playoff, you know, competing against Alabama. I know that they lost, but they still competed. Um, you know, uh, Luke Fickle didn't leave. He got paid too. He won like a billion, um, coach of the year awards.
1: How how many years did he get on his contract?
0: 2027, I think. So that's another five years, I believe. Um, pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, what he's done for this program cannot be understated. Like, it was, it was nice what, what's this fucking asshole's name? Brian Kelly did. (laughs) Um, but, like, name. just after he left, it's been kind of messy. Um, and, and after current U.S. Representative Tommy Tuberville was our head coach, <laughs> I still find that weird to say. Um, seeing how he left the program and how, you know, Luke Fickle's been able to rebuild it to the highest level it's ever been is really something impressive. Right. Um, so it's definitely good to have him back. Uh, I don't know. Just I don't know. Um, I don't. I don't. Some, we're not always perfect in our like future predictions, but I don't see us going back to the college football playoff next year, but maybe the year after. Oh, yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, yeah. it's just important to have that coaching consistency and have that. Oh yeah. You know, that that's how you get more prospects to come there when you have a consistent, consistently good coach.
0: Yeah, and we've definitely been consistently consistent. The first year. He was here. I think he, you know, obviously struggled because uh, he was working with a bunch of players from dumb old Tumbleville. <laughs> so I think he was working with the best that he could. And then, you know, next two years, eleven and eleven and two. Pretty good. Next year, eleven and three. Pretty good. Nine and one with a peach bowl appearance against uh Georgia. You know. Almost won that game if it wasn't for a last minute fifty three yard field goal. Pretty good. You know, college football playoff, playing against Alabama, pretty good. You know, overall, he's I think he's done a really good job here. And I, I cannot under understate just how great it's been to have him.
1: Yeah. Well put.
0: Yes, well put. Uh, something that is not very well put is how the basketball team did this year. <laughs> um, I barely watched
1: any of the games.
0: I tell you what, it was not fun to watch. You know, season ticket holder... I, there was a couple games, I'm like, do you even want to go to this? Because it's just... <sighs> just where they were and where they are. You know, the thing, what, go what back...
1: Happened? What happened, Eric?
0: Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't remember the last time we talked about the basketball team on our podcast. Um, So after McCronin leaves, they bring in John Brannon. Uh, has a pretty good first year, I'll say. Um, I think but like in now in retrospect I think a lot of that was propped up by they had a couple of really good seniors in uh Jaron Cumberland and Trey Scott and they played their they played out of their minds uh towards the end of the year and then obviously the COVID happened and there wasn't an NCA tournament, but the year after that, um they had a very, very bad year. Um a lot of players transferred out. Um UC was like, What the fuck? When does that ever happen? So they, you know, look into it. They get perspective on the players and some coaching stuff. And next thing you know, they fire John Brandon. And uh, I, I kind of, like, I don't know. Hearing about what he did, I did not think was very good. Uh, I think he rubbed people the wrong way. And there's, a, there's plenty of interviews with former players. Like, there's a big article from somebody interviewed jaron cumberland he was basically like yeah i kind of knew from the start this guy wasn't you know gonna be good and a lot of people were like oh no man you're wrong and then later they're like oh you were totally right so it's yeah. a very it's a very interesting like look into like the world of college athletics uh and, and so, i'm
1: sure we're, we're not hearing everything that that happened
0: oh yeah we do not have john brennan's side of the story so that's that's the other thing Uh, but you know, all that aside, basically it's like, this is like the third year in the last five years we've basically had to like restart, you know, the talent, um, after 2018, they had three seniors leave or, um, three of their top scorers leave and through, um, two of them graduated. One of them ended up going pro. So because of that. Uh, you know they had to kind of reshuffle like, okay, who's gonna be our starters and you know who's gonna play us so they had deal with that uh then Mick Cronin leaves and a bunch of people leave, so all these people leave the program, and I'm not Make gonna name sense. all names because so many you know that happens a lot when um when coaches leave a lot of players well, let's explore new opportunities, whatever that's fine uh then you know he comes in after his first year, a bunch of people leave, a bunch of new people come in, okay, second year bunch of people leave you know it's it's like every year they're they're kind of restarting you know who's playing it's not like the olden days where I'm talking olden days like five years ago where you know you get a bunch of people and they they stay for the you know they stay for their full four years or maybe they leave out after you know three UC's not known for one and dones I think Lane Stevenson was our only one and done that we've had in like maybe ever i uh, know that there was something they had back in uh um i think during the kenny martin i think there was a couple year players who uh declared after one year either way we're not a one-and-done school most kids stick around for three to four years
1: i mean yeah but we're not one of the the most well-known schools for basketball
0: i i mean we have a very good basketball history but in terms of like national presence we're, we're definitely not like Duger Kentucky or Yeah,
1: we don't pull those, you know, number one draft pick type of guys.
0: Definitely not. I mean, we don't get guys drafted too often anyway. Um so we're
1: we're typically a good stepping stone for coaches though.
0: Well no, we talked about this, remember? Well, the football team is definitely like that, but um the basketball isn't because uh, you know, gotta remember Bob Huggins was fired. Um uh, the guy after that, I think Andy Kennedy, I think it was his name. He only lasts like a year or two. He left. Um, then Cronin was here for 15 years. yes, he did go somewhere else, but John Brennan got fired. No one knows where he's at. <laughs> so it's not like Z- like Xavier really is the true, like, stepping stone basketball coach because so many of their coaches leave and go on to um, other players, like Sean Miller, Chris Mack, name a few. Um, <clears throat> But you can go back and, and like look at the list. It's like every every like four or five years, uh, a Xavier coach will come in, do really well, build their program up. Then they'll leave, take a better job, and they got to restart. Kind of like our football coaches. Uh, <laughs> it's it's the same thing. It really is. Like okay, uh, you know, Mark Dantonio is going to come in. He's gonna he's gonna come up and he's gonna do a good job. And he's gonna go to Michigan State. And then Brian Kelly's gonna come in. He's gonna do a really good job. He's gonna build a program. And then he's gonna leave to go to Notre Dame. And then. Tommy Tomberville – or no, not Tommy. He was that guy, Butch Jones is going to come in. He's going to do really well. And he's going to build the program up, and then he's going to leave for Tennessee. And then Tommy Tumerville, he's going to come in, and he's going to do really well. And then he's going to actually not do very well, and he's going to get fired, and he's going to go become representative of Alabama. I don't know why. I still can't get over that. That's why I keep bringing it up. Oh, my gosh. And and then you got got um, Luke Fickle, who has been in, like, various rumors uh, from, like, Michigan State. Um, I want to say Colorado uh, looked at him, like – a couple of places have like inquired about him and as well as our assistant coaches, like Marcus Freeman, you know, we had a really good defense in 2020. He ends up getting the defensive coordinator job at Notre Dame under Brian Kelly. And then he does really well and gets promoted to head coach. So our football program for sure is a stepping stone. Xavier's basketball program is a stepping stone. UC's basketball program. Not so much. I mean, now, if this happens to Wes Miller, I would agree with you. It's like, okay, <laughs> two out of our last three coaches bumped for better gigs. I'll give you that. But as of right now, I don't think that's the case.
1: Fair enough. You know more than me.
0: I, I felt like that was a very well-constructive argument. <laughs> um,
1: of course you would, though.
0: Of course I would, yeah. I'm a genius. <laughs> um, let me see. So, so their basketball they started the year pretty good I would say um, well I guess I should we should give a little bit of context to this because like the uh, you know coach leaves all the players try to transfer out West Miller comes in so he's basically like I think he had like six scholarships when he took over so he had to bring back all the people who um, were looking to leave he did he actually brought back like three or four of them so you got to give him credit there um, and then uh you have to go and get other players from other schools and the transfer portal. Which that's a whole nother conversation of how modern college basketball is almost like NFL free agency where it's like, Okay, you know uh, there used to be requirements against um, you know, if you if you're gonna transfer schools you gotta sit out of here. That that's almost not the case anymore. I feel like all the transfers that we have don't sit out anymore and that's a, a case for a lot of other schools like i think covid maybe something to do with it but you're seeing like basically modern free agency and college basketball and it's like it's, it's a completely different world what
1: That's it's pretty crazy
0: yeah like there's the numerous programs who we're not the only ones who have had several students just jump ship and go to different different schools like it's just something it's just that's that's how it is nowadays right yeah and i think as of right now there are two players who are scholarship players that are currently in the transfer portal um they were two guys that didn't play a whole lot last year so it's not like you're losing a lot of your scoring is there um, anyone
1: you're excited for
0: uh like incoming players mm-hmm. they have a seven footer coming out of uh honolulu <laughs> we don't um, get a
1: lot of seven footers on the team. don't
0: get a whole lot of seven footers so that's something um Usually our guys are like, yeah, they're listed at six eleven, but then, then you look at them, you're like, oh, you're not six eleven. Like I saw a picture, um, I think when Gary Clark was here at UC, he was listed at like six eight, and then I saw a picture of him sitting next to Chris Paul, and it was like, oh, you're not that much taller than Chris Paul. You know what I mean? Like, like, and he like, I don't know, he was. He was back when he was on the Rockets for a little bit, and he was standing next to some of their other players, and it's like, okay, so you're you're really not 6'8", then. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, the, you know, a listed heights for basketball players is not always completely accurate. Right. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, having a 7-footer come in is interesting. Um, they have a shooting guard from Philadelphia who's a four-star recruit uh, from ESPN and uh, 24-7 sports. Um, Daniel Skillings, I think that's how you pronounce it um shooting guard so having some good guard talent and i know you've mentioned this before um is having like that one good shooter or one good scorer to kind of um you know that can really get you a bucket when you need it i think they're definitely going to need that going forward and i'll explain in a bit they spent all this time bringing in all these players so i don't think he had a whole lot of time to kind of get agreements on for non-conference scheduling. So basically the teams that they played were ones that they were already kind of set up for. Mm-hmm. Like um they played Georgia, that was already agreed upon home and home. I think back when um McCronin was here, they got invited to it's a Hall of Fame classic. It's one of those things where it's a, it's like a little mini tournament you go and you play a couple teams. Like that was already set up. They did a one and one with Miami. I think that was the John Brennan thing. Xavier's been around for forever other than that their non-conference schedule was you know it was like okay you play in Georgia you're playing Illinois you're playing Arkansas you're playing Xavier everything else um was very small schools that come in take a paycheck and then you leave oh we actually went to the uh, Miami Ohio game if you remember well uh, we did yeah um yeah, that was uh that was a fun game. We won very that back one. and forth. We did one-one. That was one. a very close game. Yeah, they, I think we took the lead maybe like a couple minutes left or a couple seconds left rather and then they got the ball in the inbound and just missed it. Very exciting. I hadn't been up to Miami of Ohio uh like the campus in a long time, so it was cool to it was cool to do that. I wish we would do that more with some of the other schools around here like uh OSU or What's the other one? Ohio University, more Miami. They already play Xavier, but that's a different story. So, they come out of non-conference with only three losses and ten wins. So, ten and three, and one of those being a win against then number 14, Illinois. Pretty good. Then you get the conference schedule, and it's a mess uh they lose a bunch of games i mean obviously houston was really good but
1: they, i mean we haven't
0: beaten them since 2020 and it's like every game we play against them they're beating us by 20 30 points um i mean the back end is really where their schedule was really tough cuz their you know front end's pretty cupcake uh but yeah the uh i think if i'm counting this right one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, they they went three and nine for the last twelve games of the year, which is pretty tough. I don't think they were gonna be a tournament team. But you start fourteen and five. That's pretty good. And then they hit that rough stretch and that was that coffin nails for our season. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's been Oh, that was that was kind of tough to swallow. They were losing a bunch of games. Some they probably shouldn't have lost, but
1: oh, well, that happens when you're a bad team.
0: I think they're a bad team now. I think they'll definitely get better. And obviously, they lose in the conference tournament against Houston.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I just looked up the uh, some of the incoming players because uh, looking to the f- future is a lot more interesting to me at this point. And this uh, guy, is Sage Tolentino, the seven footer, he's. You played for Hamilton, actually.
0: Hamilton High School. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, his hometown he, is Honolulu. Yeah, he and
1: moved. Okay. And he's uh he's Filipino American. That's pretty cool. Seven footer, Filipino. Crazy.
0: I I'm under the assumption that people live their entire lives in their hometown, <laughs> so I didn't know. I didn't even see the high school, so I just assumed that they were uh, you know, someone who's at that, that Hamilton High School just happened to be out in Honolulu. I didn't see the Ohio part on it, but uh, that's pretty interesting. And uh, part Filipino. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I'm sure he's going to get a lot of attention from uh, Filipino basketball fans.
0: Yeah, so it looks like they're bringing in some decent talent. I don't know who's going to leave, but they do have a decent amount of – this is more future talk now. They have a couple people leaving. They got uh, Julius, who is a senior. I think he may have one more year left because of the COVID. I think everybody who was on a college team the year after uh, it shut down, for the thing it gets an extra year of eligibility i think so they've got a couple seniors um i don't know who's going to stick around for that extra year or who's going to transfer out there have been um some cases of people using an extra year to go play for a different school some of these dudes like uh, abdul abdul is a grad student um so he's definitely i'm pretty sure his eligibility is done um hayden koval is another one he actually believe it or not is like 36th all time on career block shots he's got more block shots than david robinson can you believe that that's kind of crazy that's unbelievable <laughs> i mean he played an extra year but like even still i don't know some of the, looking in the college uh basketball metrics or stats i was like whoa no way yeah um a couple other walk-ons i think are oh no sorry one of the walk-ons sam martin's he's leaving so I don't know. Uh, We'd have to kind of circle back on this probably before the year starts to kind of know who all left. But like, it's definitely another like rebuild. (laughs) Players are coming in, players transferring out. Who knows who we're going to get on the wire.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, um, I I think it's going to be a tough, uh, tough sell to get people to come here right now. Well, (laughs) especially after all the controversy and how long it took um, UC to do something about it.
0: I think what might help is the football program's really good. That may kind of bleed over in the basketball. If that, I mean, if that continues, um, who knows? I mean, how,
1: how do you feel about us moving conferences you know, on the basketball side?
0: Oh, that's great. I mean, uh, we, we should really go into that like its own thing. But, you know, Big 12 without Oklahoma and without Texas, I think on the basketball side is still pretty competitive. You have Baylor. Uh, let, let me actually look at the Big 12 so I forget all the teams that are in there. Big 12 Conference, men basketball. Okay, so you have Baylor. They were – I think they're a current number one seed, and they are – they went to the national championship last couple years. Uh, Iowa State, we played them a couple years ago. They were definitely tough. Um, Kansas is – like every year, Kansas is good. Um, Kansas State, decent. Oklahoma is leaving. Um, Oklahoma State, sure, decent. TCU, decent. Texas, whatever, is leaving. Um, Texas Tech, you've got – they were in the national championship – Somewhat recently, so or final four or something, so they're a good program. And we obviously have West Virginia, who Bob Huggins is the coach there, so there's st- obviously still a good program. Not to mention, we're also taking with us Houston and UCF, probably you know, Houston and us are probably the better basketball teams, UCF, maybe more football, so uh, we're still bringing you know good basketball into the conference, despite you know, two decent programs heading out. Right. So it's definitely an upgrade. And I think if they want to, I mean, obviously if they want to like compete at the higher level, you know, if they want to get, you know, final fours, if they want to get um, kind of back to their glory days, they're going to have to get good in this conference and then compete from there. Cause this is probably, this is a good conference for, for basketball and it probably will be for a long time. Like Oklahoma is really only good in, like really, really good in football. I don't know how good their basketball pro. I mean, Trey Young. I think's their only claim to fame as of recent. Texas has like been, I don't know. I don't want to say trash, but they've been trash for, you know, since Colt McCoy. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not particularly worried about them leaving. You know, and like I said, we're bringing in Houston. They're pretty good. UCF. We we compete with them, and they're always a tough matchup either way. So, you know, if if they can kind of get good in the Big 12, I think it's going to do, like, wonders for their program. Not to mention, too, you're going to be recruiting – you know, they recruit nationally, obviously, but imagine going into – you know, going to recruit say, hey – I know you don't like X university, whatever, (laughs) whatever this, you know, Kansas or whatever. How about you come here and you can whoop their ass? You know, there's people definitely, that's definitely a thing that's on people's heads. I think that was a thing with Michael Jordan.
1: Yeah. I I never thought about that. That's a good point.
0: It's definitely going to be, you know, think of it like a five year. We should really circle back in like five years and kind of review, like what our statements are. But like, you know, five years from now, this is where we should really be looking and seeing like, okay, if you did a good job you'll see it you'll see it by then it's definitely not going to be one or two years they kind of have to you know kind of do well for the program the next couple of years while they're not in the Big 12 and then you know kind of you know um, play to that level of a higher level of basketball as honestly like I, as much as people bitch about how poor our basketball conferences there's usually a, a couple good teams three or four um, lately it hasn't been that Case, and um, there have been some true stinkers um, in our conference. There have been some true stinkers. There's not going to be that level of drop off, you know, from where we are in the American versus where they are in uh, basketball. Like the lower levels, like if if you take the lowest level of Big Twelve basketball and put them into the you know American, they're probably like top two or three, right. So, I think I think they'll play up to that level. I don't think they're going to, you know, fall off or anything. And ma- and maybe uh, uh I don't know, it'll be interesting to see fo- on the football side too where where uh how things play out there. But I don't know. It's definitely we talked I don't know, our second episode we ever did we talked about basketball. <laughs> yeah uh, the first it was like back in 2012 it was like right before the pandemic and i was like oh super optimistic and then like shutdown happened and ever since then it's been it's been pretty rough but um i don't know it's the short term's going to be rough i think in the long term it'll 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 be it'll return to better years right all right nick do you have anything else that you want to say
1: i got nothing more for- uh
0: i had fun recording this one um. well if you don't have anything else to say I just want to say thank you very much for listening uh, hope you enjoyed our podcast if you did please subscribe and listen to us for next time uh, until then hope you have a good rest of your day